Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Rule of Three podcast, the Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, alongside Danny Meehan and Brandon Robinson. And here we've got like a rule of two and a half sort of thing going as we've got Danny for the first half and Brandon for the second half because work schedules are hard on a Tuesday night. But here we are ready to break down the Bears film from a game that was kind of fun in the moment because the offense wasn't terrible. And I got to say, um, Danny, I'll just open it up with you. For me, at least, this was a lot harder to watch the second time and the third time around. What did you think? Um, I don't think I could have said it better myself. And as you and I were kind of talking pre-show, it's one of those things like, yes, they lost players like the safety to the Cleveland Browns over the offseason whose name is escaping me off the top of my head, but John it's like Johnson. you're John Johnson, John Johnson really the third. Good. Yeah. John Johnson, the third is a really, really, really good football player. And it's like, Oh, well maybe the offense would fare better because they're mitigated. They're mitigated due to addition by subtraction. You're better because they lost certain players. Right. And then you remember Jalen Ramsey's the best damn corner in football and has been for quite some time. Right. Stefan Gilmer had his APDPOY, as we all remember, but that really was kind of a one-off because Ramsey's just been better for really since he was kind of there in Jacksonville his second year on forward. And you and I were talking about that pre-show, which is why even with the game plan kind of limiting all the big plays, when you can just say, hey, Jalen, go follow around number 12. Right. It. What does that matter? It gets messy. But – Let's try to give some structure to this. We'll talk. Yes, exactly. We'll talk defense first, then we'll talk offense. And when Brandon comes on, I have no idea what I'll do, but we'll figure it out. So let's talk to you. swag it. Because we have to, right? <laughs> I don't think that I realize just how badly the defense was playing as it happened until it became overwhelmingly clear with if memory serves three straight touchdown drives that looked about as easy as they came in the second half that reminded me of the first half. I'll pass it off to you in a second, but what really stuck out to me, obviously everybody knows Marky Christian did not have a great game. And obviously everybody knows that Eddie Jackson had a huge, huge gaffe on like the fifth play of the game as Honestly, unfortunately, Eddie Jackson was the primary culprit for that 67-yard touchdown, not just because he didn't tackle him, but also because he gave up his hips way too early. And Jackson made some other plays that you would expect out of a $15 million man, but either way, that's not what you want out of your high-paid guy. But I'll tell you what, Danny, what really bummed me out watching this was that Alec Ogletree got exposed in coverage more than once. The pass rush was not there for the Bears, despite... I think uh, Robert Mays said $50 million of investment at edge and uh, going on $70 million of investment at defensive line in general. They didn't get much against the pass. They didn't do great against the run and they got torched as Safford held onto the ball for just about as long as he wanted most of the time. And, and they couldn't have asked for an easier game. Let's put it this way. When you throw a quarterback rating of 120, you probably had a really good game. Right. If you pitch 110, you may very well have played a great defense, had an insane game. Once you get to the point where Matthew Stafford clocks in 156, your defense did a terrible job. And the all 22, um, let's just say it's not nice. It's not. And it was evident from the jump that they were going to target the kind of middle and off just off the middle with the slot. Right. 
so they and they went right at Marquis Christian. They went right at Gibson. And like you said, they went right at Ogletree. And they never hit it. They were, Why even bother targeting a competent, if not soon-to-be good pro in Jalen Johnson or go at Kendall Valdor? Like, I, I think in the moment we were all kind of ready to say, oh, well, this is what you get when you've got all these unproven defensive backs next to Jalen Johnson at the at the uh, cornerback position. Going back and watching it, I can't be mad at Kendall Vildor. He was doing what was kind of asked of him, at least at the ability that a fifth-round rookie, who I think is playing out of position outside versus inside at nickel, could be doing. And they never really even did much to try, try and attack him, let alone – let alone Jalen, you know what I'm saying? Well, so that, that's exactly what I thought was so funny about it. Talking about Vildor specifically, everybody wants to go through as they should, right? And evaluate, okay, so did Akeem Hicks play well? Did Bilal Nichols play well? Did Roquan Smith play well? Get very individual, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know what you thought, but it felt to me like Kendall Vildor didn't so much have a good game as the Rams just didn't feel like they needed to target him. They could target Christensen. They could target mm-hmm. Christian. They could target Ogletree. They could go at Gibson. They could attack the safeties. They sort of just left Vildor on his own, not because they were scared of him, but because they just didn't need to. And then obviously right. on that third down in the second half, they reminded you, hey, Vildor, we can go at you too. We just haven't needed to yet. Right. It was like the same reason for like the running game or lack thereof early on. They just felt the need that like they can probably stop our run. They probably can't stop our pass. Right. So they just didn't even bother until they needed to salt away the game at the end. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's almost like they in a way called off the dogs (laughs) because they could have just kept lighting it up through the air. Right. Right. So it was so it's just like they kind of were doing whatever they wanted, for lack of a better term. Mm hmm. I mean, it was it was ugly. I, I really do think I don't mean to harp on them, right? Because I don't want to be uh, this is just the first Bears game in a long time that I felt better about in the middle of the watch instead of afterwards, where it really started to set in just how bad things were. I mean, I I want to be the positive guy that comes and says things are better. And on offense, we can do that a little bit, but here on the defensive end. There was almost nothing to like. I mean, Jalen, no. Jalen Johnson might have been, you could say he was kind of a positive surprise. He really didn't allow much. Like he did his job. I would argue he might have done his job better than anyone else. And that includes Khalil Mack, unfortunately. But another another one, Robert Quinn had a decent game. Like just to throw a ever so slight little bit of positivity in there. Robert Quinn got the occasional pressure. He showed us, unlike again, the guy across from him that, you can, in fact, penetrate a defensive line and pressure the quarterback. I don't know. If I sound like I'm down on Khalil Mack, it's just getting to the point where he's being paid $30 million, and I feel like we're not seeing the zest you expect out of the guy that makes every single pregame highlight reel. Like, whenever anybody on NBC shows the Bears, it's Khalil Mack's picture, and you don't see 52 much in the game. Right. I know he's being schemed at, but – after watching Vita Vea dominate and Von Miller dominate and Jalen Ramsey dominate and Aaron Donald even find ways to make plays despite being targeted. I don't know. It bums me out. Brandon, where, where are you getting the 30, the $30 million from? It's his cap hit uh, because they keep taking money out of it. Uh, like, yeah, to, it's 30, it's down. 30 million. It's 30 million next year. But like that has more to do with Ryan Pace than it does Cleo Mack. That's I'm Yeah. But like Kyle Fuller, his cap hit, his cap hit was twenty million. But. Right. To your point, though, Robert, it's kind of the whole defense, right? Any all those big number guys, like even for Robert Quinn being better than ass, if if that's how you want to put it, like it's not what you're paying him. What fourteen, fifteen million for whatever his number is? It it's like the culmination of they have so much money sunk into specifically that defensive line of those edge defenders that when you don't get home and you are getting torched through the air, it makes it feel a lot worse because you're thinking specifically because Bilal Nichols is going to be getting money. It sounds like Akeem Picks might be getting extended at some point during the year. They're sinking more and more money into this thing and they're not really going to have much to show for it. It feels like at the end of the day. 
Right. And I don't I don't see how they extend both Nichols and Hicks. I don't I don't see that. Oh, well. for oh, anyone I mean, who's that number confused, twelve guy. Guys, I have to say it. <laughs> for anyone who's confused, yes, Brandon joined us a lot sooner than we were anticipating. Thank oh, goodness. Yep. So the rule of three is here, but that is Brandon you're hearing. Take it away, V. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just saying I don't know how they put more uh put more money towards the towards the really the run defense because that's that's Blau Nichols and uh Akeem Hicks's game. I think they both, particularly from my point of view, I think they both played pretty well. Um Angelo Blackson, I mean with his limited sacks, I thought, I mean, limited time, he played really, really well. Uh I thought run defense did exactly what you wanted from them because they were playing extremely light in the box, which is what you expected from them coming into this season. They played extremely light in the box the entire game and still stopped the run. It was just the back end that that just didn't come through for him. Deshaun Gibson had a horrific game, which I thought it was kind of troubling why they brought him back. They, they just expected him to, I don't know, play better than what he had last year just because he was with the team. But he's just a – he's really just a poor fit. Um, I mean, bad – Players play bad. Uh, Jalen Johnson played pretty well for the for the most part. He looks like really the more competent player on that uh, secondary. The thing is with with Eddie Jackson is you can watch on like a play to play basis and watch five plays and you're like, ah, man, this guy's pretty good. But at at times you just see see a really like lapse of judgment. Um, the first touchdown to Van Jefferson, I don't know why he didn't get killed for that because that play was completely on him. He had the inside leverage of, of Van Jefferson, tried to open up for whatever reason. Uh, and that completely just took away his inside leverage and he just, he just got smoked. I mean, I'm not even, I don't really care about them touching him down from that point because they already gave up a big play. They're already in the red zone. They already gave up points at that point. Well, the, so to your I mean, point, that's the, the that's the that's the issue. So I mean, with, when you got multiple multiple players in the secondary, just completely completely blowing coverages, um, I mean, you're gonna get torched. Yeah, I mean, to to his point on that Van Jefferson play, the mo- not even that, like he lost his inside leverage. He already gave up the big play. I think the part that's most disconcerting about all of it is that Negi made the excuse of it's a learning experience and then doubled down on it. Like these guys haven't been in the league for a combined 15 years between the two of them. These aren't new players. They're not undrafted free agents who just got here from college. It's like at a certain point, you have to know neither of you touched them, just jump on them, do something. And it just, it's a really bad look for a play that started off bad and just got, infinitely worse after he got up and just ran it the rest of the way yeah like it's just very frustrating i always feel like the press conference thing is always complicated right because i don't know of any coaches that in that setting would have gone yeah and he just freaking blew it i don't know what he's doing opening (laughs) his hips up to the outside with Jalen on the outside shoulder of the guy i don't know what in the world he was thinking it's a hundred percent on him that's not what we pay him for I know you, I see you shaking your head. So I know you get where I'm coming from. He has to kind of, I get where you're coming from, but you (laughs) got to also call a spade a spade at some point. You can't always be Mr. Good guy. And I get that's, that's what Nike is. He is Mr. Rah, rah, good guy. And most coaches, especially in today's era are that in that vein, unless you're Trent Dilfer putting your hands on a kid, but (laughs) (laughs) like I, there, there's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, he messed up, but he's got to know to put his hands on him. It's not a learning experience. You've got to put your hands on him. Right. I'm more just saying that, like, to me, Nagy's got a lot more issues than what he says in press conferences, which, hey, that's one of the most public ways that he interfaces with people. But we'll get to that later. Well, I think what B yeah. referenced that I think is probably the hardest part about watching Andy Jackson right now is that, like Brandon's saying, there were about four plays and just the first half alone that I ripped through because European game pass had the all 22, but a busy day at work. You get the idea life of a podcaster, right? But 
I watched yes. a bunch of plays that Eddie took away that your standard free safety wouldn't find things where Eddie was breaking on like crossers that Marquis Christian had gotten beat over the middle and Eddie reached the spot to turn Stafford away and push him on towards, for instance, Jalen Johnson on an overthrow because Stafford's just trying to get rid of the ball at that point. Like Eddie's had his moments where he looks like the player he was signed to be, but exactly like you said, Brandon, when you're fanning on tackles in very public eye, and blowing 67 yard touchdowns wide open those little things just don't really matter because when you're allowing touchdowns like when you're one of the reasons that they're getting into the end zone there's not a lot of kind words to say you know yeah that's that's the nicest way to put it i mean i think from what from the perspective of us like (laughs) i no other way to say it yeah what what'll be really interesting because the Bears have a big test this next weekend, because I think we can all agree without getting too heavy into the preview. The Bengals receivers are every bit as good as the Rams receivers, like between T Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and the rest of what they have there. They'll probably be able, like they have the talent to dismantle the secondary too. The question is, can the guys get their calls right? Because it did feel like they kind of didn't know where they needed to be. And maybe a little bit of experience playing together will help sort things out. But at the same time, they've got to do something about Marky Christian because I get a linebacker like Ogletree being slow, but Christian is the nickelback looked like, looked like he was just not helping. I mean, like it felt as if they were defending with 10 men with him on the field. Did you feel that way, Brandon? Um, relatively. I, I, I think it was more of, there were multiple guys that just kept blowing coverages more than specifically just him. Like on a play to play basis, I didn't think that he was necessarily horrid, but when you're giving up multiple big plays and you got other guys in the secondary giving multiple big plays, it just looks really bad. And he's the guy without the name. So it looks even worse. I thought Alec Ogletree was pretty, pretty horrid in the past game. I really don't understand why he played so many reps um, it's really funny because the Rams ran a – they ran the too high uh, nickel defense that I really thought the Bears would run, which is funny because they brought in Raheem Morris from Atlanta. And so, like, he, he didn't work under Staley and, and Fangio. And so now Deshaun, Sean Desai comes in, and he's running quite a bit of too high but he's showing the same front over and over again. And the thing is you're bringing Alec Ogletree on the field and he's not really doing anything. So yeah, he's playing bad at that. So I, I really thought, I mean, they ran a couple reps of, of the tight front. I really think, I mean, if the D line is your strength, bring the tight front on the, on the field. Um, Cause I think that's, that's where you can maximize your talent having less I'm, and that could have been just because of Eddie Goldman not being uh, active for the game um, and not necessarily relying on Tonga. I'm not sure that would make a bit of sense. Uh, but I mean, they just have to change things up going on the next week because I mean, the Bengals are a lot tougher of a matchup than, than people will give them credit for. No, I was going to say the Bengals aren't going to be a team. You just come in and push over and just walk away with your W. I mean, it's just, simple as that they're going to be a problem for you going forward right if there was one thing that i think worried me the most about the bears besides the past game i don't know i guess it's not the thing that worried me the most but their run defense definitely seemed like it caved a little bit as the game went on maybe partially because they were selling out for the past but i do think the bengals offer a good opportunity for the bears to get back on track if only because it is as close to an even matchup as they're going to get over the next, over the first three weeks of the season. So at this point, I look at uh, Joe Burrow and that wide receiving core, and it'll be a solid little test for Burrow because the bears defensive line, you would hope that they bounce back a little bit, but I don't know. They were 22nd in pressure rate last year. So maybe we don't hold our breath, but I'm, if you can't tell I'm running in circles, trying to find the positive here like trying to find something that makes this better next week. But I don't know. Maybe they get their calls a little cleaner. Like Brandon said, stop blowing coverages. But Danny, I'll kick it to you for one thing. Like 
if there was a specific change that you would make to try to improve things, what would it be? Defense, um, improve things. I mean, obviously Eddie Goldman, I think helps regardless. I, I don't, but cause I just think he matters. Not that your $30 million cap hit man should need Eddie Goldman, but he obviously helps. Um, I mean, you got to find something to replace Ogletree and, and the, really the middle of your defense. I, I couldn't agree more with Brandon. Upon watching it two, two and a half times, Gibson is not good. He, he had the one playoff game. He really wasn't great last year. and He's not good again this year. I don't know what people expected to change. And Marquis Christian was brought in here to be a four-phase special teamer, and they inactivated Duke Shelley, who we thought won the competition, and all of a sudden Marquis Christian is playing, and like – I, I think he was awful, frankly. Like, I don't think there's any way you can sp- spell it out with the amount of big plays that were there. He was consistently caught out of position. He was caught on his heels a couple times playing in cement where people were just running by him, and there's nothing he could do, frankly. It, it's not his fault that he can't do certain things. There's a reason why he was on the street when they brought it in last year and he came back this year. And there's just certain things that, you need your nickel back to do, which I mean, maybe they do. I saw they worked out DJ Hayden today who had success in the slot in the past, but he was all nicked up and banged up last year. Now he's 31 years old. Maybe he helps if they sign him. Maybe he doesn't. I really don't have an answer for that because, you know, as the Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy famous saying goes, they like the guys they have. (laughs) So only time will tell. Only time will tell. I mean, it was – it was hard to remember that this Bears defense only gave up 34 points. And if anything, maybe that's a testament to what the offense was able to do, controlling the ball for 35 minutes, because if the Rams had had 35 minutes, I think it gets up to 50 or at least near there. But I digress. We can only talk about the state of the defense for so long before we get to Justin Fields and this Bears offense, which was its own murky situation. But let's talk through it after the break. Guys, I'll see you there. Hey, it's me, Robert Schmitz, and as the Bears season gets started, I wanted to tell you about a brand new way to play daily fantasy called Thrive that we've partnered with. Imagine a daily fantasy game centered entirely around player props rather than standard fantasy keepers and sleepers. Instead of having to hunt for that third string receiver you just know is going to score three touchdowns this week, Thrive gives you 20 player props to choose from and asks you a simple question. Is Allen Robinson going to haul in over 65 yards this week or under? Choose your 10 props, rack up the most points, and win a share of the prize pool. That's your chance to win a piece of $100,000 for NFL Week 1 in their featured $20 entry contest with twenty grand to first place. And the best part? When you sign up today and use promo code SCHMITZ, that's S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, Thrive will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks to double your money. So don't sleep on this. Download Thrive Fantasy today on the App Store or Google Play Store or visit www.thrivefantasy.com and sign up today. Happy propping and go Bears. And we are back with the Rule of Three podcast, joined by Danny Behan for a little longer and Brandon Robinson to talk through the Bears offense. And Danny, in the interest of your time, let's let you start it off. Shoot from the hip. What you got about this Bears offense? Um, well, first things first, Dalton is still Andy Dalton. I don't think he did anything necessarily wrong. I just think he's, is what he is at this point in his career, which is a somewhat limited game managing quarterback, which I know is a damning term, but I think he did what he was asked to do. I do understand the way that, um, the defense is played by the, by the Los Angeles Rams is one to take away all the big plays. And they did, like I said earlier in the show, have Jalen Ramsey kind of just being that star back or whatever it is that they call him and just kind of wreaking havoc everywhere. And they, they took away all the big plays and the bears were running underneath and just curls and just everything just stopped short of the sticks and just take advantage of what was being given to them. I think my biggest issue came into the fact of they only had that for as well as Montgomery was running. And I know you can't just run to run the ball, but he was he was a hot hand and he mattered. He's your, he's your best offensive player that isn't Allen Robinson, unless you're starting to play Justin Fields. At a certain point, 
you've got to run him the ball more when he's doing what he's doing. He only had 10 touches going into the fourth quarter and they were begging you to run the ball. And you just kept choosing to bang your head against the short passing wall for five, six, seven yards of pop. I understand it. That's the game plan that you stuck to it, but you got to sometimes deviate from the plan, especially when a player shows that they're on a roll the way Montgomery was. And he showed it right off rip and he still only had five touches. I want to say halfway through the second quarter leading into halftime, which is just frustrating because you were still within a score at that point. And that's just for me, something you have to learn to deviate from your plan, which I think at a certain time, this coaching staff and this, regime in general has trouble deviating from what they believe the plan is going into a certain week. Do I think the offense was badly run? No. Do I think they could have run it better? Yes. There was things that there's little things you can do to change it. I just know that the, the play calling I didn't think was bad. It did irritate me how long it seems to get plays in still. Maybe it'll get better as they, as they play lesser defenses going forward. Maybe it won't. Again, time will tell, but that's about what I got. The offense was a pleasant surprise given what the expectation was, but that's just not a great bar to be set, if all that makes sense. But that's about all I got, guys. I got a jet. See you later, Danny. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, as usual, guys. You bet. Talk to you later. Brandon, I got to say, I feel like the way Danny put it, it's uh, it. he said it well when he said, the offense was a pleasant surprise, but man, did that make me realize just how low the expectation was. I don't know. It, it was funny because going back on the tape, uh, our suspicions were confirmed that the Rams were sitting in like five <laughs> high. I bet you have like the technical term because it's like quarters, high quarters at that with the star defender like way back there also. So they were not exactly inviting to take vertical shots. Even so, the tape did not help Dalton especially in that first half. It felt like Dalton, sure, he was what he was, but I feel like he was a little better in his past. At the very least, he would take those deep shots that would open the, or that would account for earlier mistakes, and they those just weren't there, and he didn't try. I don't know. I'm very between fences on this because the Bears' run game looked healthier and, frankly, better than I would have ever expected it to against a very good front that was playing in Bear the whole time, so five down linemen that could made thing, that could have made things complicated for a standard run game, but instead the Bears found a way to exploit it with a whole lot of trap and a lot of nice variants on outside-inside zone combinations. But I don't know. Where are you at? Let's start from there. Um, coming into the game... The ceiling was the floor. I had zero expectations coming into this game because this is this is not a good offense. Uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised with how they moved the ball. Um, I was happy with the play calls. The thing is, with the short passes and getting a lot of complaints from everybody, uh, this offensive line can't hold up. So these deep shots that everybody wants them to take, they can't really take those shots because the offensive line isn't going to hold up. They're just not good enough. And this is a, a very, very good defensive front. I mean, offensive front. I mean, yeah, defensive front. Um, Donald gets in like in a second and a half every single play. Like he, he could – there's a lot of plays where it's not marked as a pressure – because the ball is thrown that quickly, but he's, it's still a win for him. Like he, he still wins the pass rush. So if you take those deep drops so that you can throw the ball deep, that's where you get into trouble. So I, I think they had a, a pretty good game plan coming in, um, working the quick game against a, a too high defense. And the thing is they played a lot. The, the thing is about the, the too high defense is, you're going to be playing zone a lot, which means you're going to have, especially in quarters, you're going to have the four deep guys. And then the slot defender, which Ramsey was playing quite a bit, is going to be off as well. So there's a lot of room underneath. And so that's where the, the short quick game comes in. The only thing with that is when, when you're running the ball and you're jinking and dunking it, as soon as one thing goes wrong, that's where you mess up a it's drive over. and then it's you stall over. and you have to and you have to punt. Yeah. So it's really hard in today's NFL to 
score a lot of points by doing that. That's why that defense is amazing because it's the bend but don't break defense. You can get all the yards you want. You can you can have big runs. We don't care because eventually you're going to mess up or we're going to make a good play because we have two amazing players in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald that are, that are going to make up for that. And speaking I, of Jalen Ramsey, I have mm-hmm. to jump in there because, and as a DB, you may like this, but I don't think I gave Ramsey enough credit in the post game. Like Ramsey shut down maybe the only thing the bears have really had in the past. That's been like a go to the well play. And that's on those short yardage situations. They'll just have Allen Robinson run a route. A lot of times it's a false out and in or a false in and out. They'll do something with a Rob and the Rams had Ramsey on him and Ramsey won. I mean, almost literally every rep between the two. It was, it was wild seeing that when the Rams and the bears squared off in those short yarded situations with both of their guys, Allen Robinson versus Jalen Ramsey, the Rams tipped the balance almost every time. And I'm hard pressed to think of a corner the Bears are going to face that can do that near as efficiently. Like maybe Jair Alexander could get a decent clip on Allen Robinson uh, against the Packers. I think that the Tampa Bay corners are pretty doggone solid. And I can't remember who plays for Pittsburgh. I know they've got some really solid DBs back there, but I can't remember who plays corner specifically. But this was a game that reminded me that if we were going to be positive about anything, Brandon, it felt like from the run game's perspective, they had the right plan. Instead of trying to block Aaron Donald, just let him penetrate and trap him with a tight end or something and let your offensive lineman go block somebody else. They got a lot of mileage out of those. And on the other side of things, I tend to doubt Allen Robinson will get locked down like this for the rest of the year, at least not quite as ferociously. But I don't know. I had to take a moment at least to prop up Ramsey because I think he's easy to forget about since he's not on the broadcast per se, but he made a huge difference in the game. Yeah. While why Ramsey is so good, especially in that defense. So when you're talking about the bend and don't break defense, you really have to perform on third down. And that's why Ramsey is so great because you can have him shadow your best player, Allen Robinson, in those third down situations. And a lot of people got frustrated with Dalton and they were complaining like, oh, he needs to read the play. He needs to read the play. On third and short, especially when Aaron Donald's on the, the other side of the field, you're, he knows that he's throwing to Allen Robinson as soon as the play is called in. There, there's no if, ands, and buts. He's throwing to Allen Robinson. So it's really more of just a timing thing and the ball's released. He's not reading anything. He's throwing it to him. And that's where Jalen Ramsey is so amazing is because not only is he big, tall, long, and able to match up well with Allen Robinson in those ways, he's an ultra athlete. He is the perfect defensive back. And (laughs) so it's just a, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough matchup for, for any wide receiver, honestly. I thought Allen Robinson played admirably, but that's where you need you need to have other guys that you see Allen Robinson is. I mean, you see Jalen Ramsey's on Allen Robinson, so maybe you you take advantage and you use your tight end. But they don't they don't have that that matchup at tight end. The closest thing they got was Marquise Goodwin, who turned in a neat little day. I mean, I was, anything- I was I was overly overly impressed with him. I yeah. had zero expectations coming into the game. None. I thought he played really, really well. Uh, he, he really showed off his speed. Um, he's really dangerous in the short game just because everybody everybody knows that he runs a 4-2. So they're backpedaling way out, and and he's he's open in the in the short game, which is good for Dalton's game because he's, he's good in, in the short game. I want to give a lot of love for the run game because even though the Rams were playing light in the box – I think this coaching staff as a whole has come such a long way in their, in their play calls with the run game. The diversification that they have in the run game has come such a long way. The, the, the wham blocks that they, the wham trap plays that they run. Um, so th- what that is, is it's, it's basically a regular trap play, but you're trapping with the, with the tight end instead of with the guard. 
which helps a lot because you're you're having the you're having the defender come up field, which what you're talking about, Aaron Donald, and then you're just trapping him. And it doesn't you're not even really blocking him. It's more of like a pick play, like in a back in a basketball game. Just and get in the all, way. All, exactly. And what also helps is when you're when you're able to trap him, that gets guys like Cody White here and Sam Mustafer, guys that aren't gonna move guys off of the line of scrimmage. That gets those guys downfield blocking linebackers, which puts so when you have the outside zone that they're running and you have these wham blocks and you have a lot more motion off of those plays, that's when you're gonna have a lot of success. And you, you saw that from the Bears. I thought James Daniels specifically, when I was watching it live, I thought he played bad. I could not have been more wrong. I thought he played outstanding besides a couple of base blocks off of the the orbit motion that they kept trying to run with Andy Dalton, um, which he doesn't do well because he's just not a particularly strong guy on the offensive line. I thought he was I thought he was outstanding. I thought honestly, if he if he plays at that level the entire year, the the Bears are in trouble because he's gonna get paid because he's a he's a free agent. Orbit motion. Remind me, is that I thought that's when the wide receiver motions and literally orbits the quarterback, like the circular. Right. They go, they go. The, so orbits just any any time he's going behind the quarterback mm-hmm. instead of in front instead of in front of the quarterback. So when you have the the two backs and the the back goes behind behind the quarterback and right. behind the running back, that's that's an orbit motion. And and that's where James Daniels struggled. Yeah, because on on those, so that what the play call is, is it's orbit, right? And that's mm-hmm. the that's the screen guy, is the orbit guy. Mm. And then it's a read option with the end guy in the line of scrimmage. And so with how the with how the Rams were using their front, is you could get a lot of five on four when you're optioning the outside linebacker. But the thing is with Andy Dalton, no one's no one's worried about Andy Dalton. So the outside linebacker was just moving down towards the back instead of towards Andy Dalton, which if you're not getting a lot of movement up front, then he's just going to make the play every single time. And that's where guys like Sam Mustafer and James Daniels really struggle because what you're getting is the base 45 block where you really have to create movement with your power there's, there's yep. no, there's no, and that's, that's where the, where those guys really struggle. They're, they're better with the, the more movements on the outside zone where they can use their quickness and their smarts to get into the right spot. But as far as power on those base blocks, that's where they really struggle, especially next to each other. Yep. If anything, I think I was just happy that the Bears were able to utilize their trap whams and their outside zone enough to where when they ran duo, they got anything out of it at all. Because obviously, if you're listening and you're thinking, okay, so the trap runs are inside, but usually they attack like the C gap or the B gap, rarely the B gap, even at that. So they're outside runs and outside zone is generally thought of as an outside run. The Bears got to go inside at some point, and the Bears agree. Like they they gave a shot with inside zone a couple times, and it went really badly. If you saw what I saw, like they they just don't have the muscle up front to be running inside zone against a front like the Rams or you know maybe anybody to really get a ton out of inside zone. But you have to keep the defense honest, or else they're going to do what the Bears did to or what the Rams did to every time the Bears ran that end around, like the reverse, where I think Goodwin had a seam, might have been really his only quote-unquote mistake. But as Lester Wiltfong would say, when a wide receiver gets the opportunity to cut the ball up the inside or take the outside, there's like an 85% chance they're going outside just off gut towards the sidelines. So I'm not surprised. And then they ran a nice toss crack play nice in the play call that did not work but outside of that i thought the bears run game was it was well schemed that's the weird part about this it's that the offensive linemen did their jobs but the scheme looked worlds better than it did last year to me at least yeah it's, it's funny that you mentioned those those crack blocks because i think they've been running those for a couple of years now and schematically it's always been drawn up very very well the thing is they just don't have the wide receivers that are really 
willing to make those blocks. Right. They never, they never have, they still don't have those guys. As much <laughs> as I love Allen Robinson, he's probably a top 10, 12 receiver. He's not a willing blocker at all. Bird is not a willing blocker. Mooney if he's is willing, probably he's their, not able. That's yeah, for sure. He's not, he's, he's just way too small. It's funny because Darnell Mooney is probably their best blocker and <laughs> So they just really struggle on the plays, even if they're designed really well. Right. And, and that goes back to that whole putting your guys in position to succeed thing. But at the end of the day, I think the hardest pill to swallow, Brandon, and I'm, you're going to hate this because it's a little bit of a reversal from where we were just like three weeks ago, is that this offense looked a lot more able from a run game perspective to house a rookie should he come into the game than I anticipated they would. You said it well, ceiling was on the floor. But if they can run like that against the Rams, I'm at least going to give them the Bengals and the Browns game to show us that they can still kind of run the ball. And by the way, I can't talk about this run game enough without talking about David Montgomery, who played, I think, his best game as a Chicago Bear. I mean, he was ripping away because he probably got, quote-unquote, tackled for loss schematically about five times, and he turned them all into positive runs. That touchdown he had shouldn't have happened. I mean, third and one with Aaron Donald and another defensive tackle bearing down on you with two defensive backs waiting at the end line, you shouldn't get in, but he did because, I, I don't know, he was playing with his hair on fire. So that's its own thing. But then as I think about the fact that I know I'm giving you a lot to respond to here. I know I'm thinking about the fact that Dalton, I thought like that interception was, was very, very bad. I mean, we don't need to stick to it too often, but, or too long, but the play call was not my favorite. I thought that might've been one of the weaker calls of the game, but then when Dalton forced it between two receivers to where if that ball hadn't gotten tipped, I think it still gets picked by Montgomery's defender. It was just a poor play and unfortunately set the tone for the rest of the game. I don't think Fields could have necessarily done better. He's a rookie. We saw Trevor Lawrence struggle. We saw Zach Wilson struggle. This isn't uh, this isn't a savior complex. It's more to say that the offensive line did not play very well. Like you said, I think the only reason they're getting generally spoken of as having a decent game is because the ball was out in about 1.75 seconds, about half of their passing attempts. But even so, oh man, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's rough as a fan sitting here because Justin Fields looks like he could learn on the job in this offense and it's not the healthiest offense. And I don't want him to play the Browns. Please don't make Justin Fields play the Browns for crying out loud. But at the same time, Andy Dalton's ceiling feels so, so clear. And I'm really curious to see what happens. Like that wry smile Nagy had, I mean, for crying out loud, even just playing fields, the five plays he gave him was unusual enough. How ironic was it that somehow Brandon against all odds, the first quarterback to score in a bears uniform was Justin Fields and not Andy Dalton. No, it it's one of those situations where it's, it's very, very complex because we talk about how Andy Dalton is pretty good in a quick game. Right. And that's good for this O-line because he's getting the ball out quick. Where he struggles is when the, the quick game isn't necessarily there and he can't make any plays off of that. He is no longer the athletic quarterback he used to be. So at that play, the, the play's just dead. If you watched Derek Carr last last night on Monday Night Football, you saw another quarterback that's just like him. Really good in the quick game, but as soon as the play goes a little bit south, he's just dead in the water. And that's where that's where Justin Fields is good because he's able he's able to make those plays uh, when nothing's there. He's able to scramble out and throw the ball downfield, and it'll probably help the the offense score more points, right? But where he struggles is is being decisive in the quick game, or at least that's that's where his main detractors would say that he struggles is being decisive, getting out the ball quick. And so if they're going to continue to run this West Coast passing game where you need to get the ball out quick, that's where you could see him struggle. And that's where you would see him form bad habits is instead of hitting Allen Robinson and getting the ball out quick, he looks across the field and tries to read, read the play a little bit too much, I would say, and then scrambles out. 
And that's what you just don't want because when this offensive line can't block to begin with, you're going to be putting him in a lot of situations where he's just running, running around the field when the ball's supposed to be out in a second and a half, as you see Andy Dalton kept doing. So I thought Andy Dalton played all right. Given the expectation, interception really, really bad. I don't think I kind of disagree as far as the play call goes. Like it was just a quick slants concept. Um, and I think Darnell Mooney was open. It was just a very, very poorly thrown ball. Um, as you said, even if it wasn't tipped, it would have been picked by the guy behind him because it would have been way behind Mooney. I think he should have, I think if he would have led Mooney like far out ahead, I don't think it would have been tipped at all okay. by that linebacker. And I think it would have been a touchdown. Yeah. Maybe the throws making it look even worse than it is. Cause you might've had to put the ball in the back line of the end zone. Uh, if I'm thinking about it correctly. So you get it yeah, out exactly. in front of him a lot exactly. further, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a bullet throw there at least. And after watching so much Foles and Trubisky, honestly, I've gotten used to thinking if there's no bullet throw, there's no throw. So that's on me <laughs> for having trained my eye poorly. Yeah. You say it really well. I mean, the trouble with, so let's go over fields as RPO, right? Why not? Fields made a good read. He saw the the, the defender attacking down, assuming that Fields was going to run the ball, and he got the ball out relatively quickly. The problem is, is and I think you know it, the ball could have probably come out about a quarter second, half second faster, which is not to kill the guy because the, the ball was a strike. It's more to say that that led to Fields getting hit. And if he plays behind this offensive line too soon or when he's not quite ready to make those quick decisions, he's going to get hit a lot. And that creates, or at least could lead to those bad habits. Now you and I have said this before, so I feel like I need to say it again. I'm pretty sure Justin Fields is going to be just fine either way. Like Justin Fields looks like a stud and you want to make things as easy as possible for him. But I do think he's going to add some juice to the offense Even so, Brandon, I can't help but feel like after watching this game specifically, if things go south against Cincinnati, and they very well might, that that's going to really put Matt Nagy in a bind because I get the impression he has this Cincinnati game down as a win. And if the Bears are (laughs) behind schedule in his mind, that that may press him to do something he doesn't want to do if you're catching what I'm saying. Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. And you're talking about the RPO to Marquis Goodman, right? Right. The very first one. Yeah. It, it, it's it's funny because they they ran that same RPO with Andy Dalton the play before, and Dalton didn't throw it. But here's the thing. They had Jimmy Graham out there, split out there, and Jalen Ramsey was playing a little bit more snug. And then he took Andy Dalton out, put Justin Fields in. I'm guessing he told him, just throw the ball. But here's the thing. Marquise Goodwin was over there and Jalen Ramsey was a little bit further back, which made it a little bit of easier, easier to throw. But as you said, he still took a hit on like an RPO that should not happen. Shouldn't even come close to happening. RPOs are, are out very quickly. There, there should be no, no situation where that should happen. But yeah, honestly, I, I could see them being in that situation where they do end up throwing him in maybe as early as this week because with this matchup against these Bengals receivers, you could see them in a situation where they're down 17, three and a half. And (laughs) he, you see Nagy with all the pressure in the world on him thinking about them throwing the quick game and running the ball in the second half down 14 points. And he knows that's not going to help him win the game, especially with this defense. Right. So that's where they could end up going to Justin Fields. Not to mention, I feel like the hardest part for Nagy in this situation, right? So I think you said it really well, not dissimilar to the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes comparison, not to go back to that well. Andy Dalton's probably better in what would you say the first two seconds of the current NFL playbook. And then after that, immediately Justin Fields just boat races him. Like Fields is who you want past that two second mark. It's not again. That reminds me of how Patrick Mahomes took that first year to kind of learn from Alex Smith, how to be Alex Smith within those first two seconds, did a lot of good for him. But I'm, honestly, I wouldn't surprise me if Fields could learn that on the job. Anyways, I digress. The point is, Brandon, 
Bears fans have been wondering for years now where the yards after catch is, right? Where are those long runs? Where is the ability to deploy Darnell Mooney's speed? And if I've read things correctly, a lot of that, Brandon, disappears when you don't expect plays to last any longer than about two and a half seconds. That when you extend that play, your wide receivers get deeper, the safeties fall off, the corners turn and chase, and somebody beats a linebacker, ends up three steps open, and just chugs it up the field for like 35 yards off of a jailbreak. It's it's funny watching offense that way, where when you can extend the play, like Trubisky tried to and like Foles absolutely couldn't do, you can create that yards after catch scenario where look, not every play is going to be Cooper cup wide open 56 yards down the field, but you are going to get those, uh, the one on Roquan, right? The lofted ball where the tight end caught it, chugged forward a whole bunch of yards. The one long play I saw on the bears offense where it seemed as if the Rams like let Andy hold it to for about three seconds. He threw a curl, like a 13 yard curl to Marquise Goodwin who broke a tackle ran about 13, 14 more yards downfield. Those are the sorts of things that Justin Fields could help you with. And it would probably be a little bit of a challenge because he's a rookie. It's a challenge for any rookie. It was a challenge for Zach Wilson. It was a challenge for Mac Jones. So it's not specific to Justin Fields to run a full offense within it, but his ability to get outside the tackles and kind of negate the pass rush is one that you got to think after that last game, Nagy's at least thinking about, you know? Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's going to be a point in this season where Nagy's thinking about his job, rightfully so, because they're going to continue to struggle. And he's going to be thinking about Justin Fields long-term, which is what he's doing right now. And then he's going to be thinking about his career long-term. And he's going to have to decide which one's more important, his career long-term lasting that long or maybe risking it with Justin Fields. And the fans will hope that he's worried about his, his career long-term because, I mean, this team, when, I mean, if they don't get past the Bengals and they lose to the Browns and who knows what happens against the Lions, that's when they get into the, the meat of their schedule against the tough teams. And he's not going to be able to last, last through those because they're not going to win games. So I think you're going to see Justin Fields probably sooner rather than later, just based on the fact that he's willing to play him in even a small role right now. Right. That was one thing that really stuck out to me. It's the most obvious thing possible, right? That it obviously isn't the Mahomes plan when Fields is getting five snaps a game, maybe up to eight had the game been closer. Like, they're very clearly putting him in the game where they can here and there. And I guess I'm happier with that than not i'm very between because it's kind of goofy to think that he's got a limited play sheet that he can go in there and execute and yet letting him take a snap and go up against a real defense and be part of the game plan has got to be mentally helpful for him that it's not just okay i gotta be ready if it's my turn but instead it's more of an it will be my turn the game just won't be entirely on my shoulders if that makes sense Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives him some opportunities to maybe maybe learn from a few mistakes he makes or grow and gain confidence on these easy plays that Nagy lays out for him, especially right. when he gets to run the play, the same exact play that he just saw Andy Dalton run. You, and, can, you can build on those things long term. Oh, yeah. And to your point, like you talk about mistakes, I couldn't help but think of how helpful helpful it was that Justin both made a play in the game that obviously the three yard touchdown where he just hammered the ball in looked like a superstar. Awesome. But also, I don't know what you thought, but it looked to me like Justin Fields on that shuffle pass should have let Marquise Goodwin just run the ball that the conflict defender stayed in kind of waiting on the shovel. And so when fields pitched it forward, he turned and made the tackle. Whereas I think that that guy flat footed as he was would have easily lost in a foot race to the Olympian. That is Marquise Goodwin. That's the sort of thing that if you agree with me, fields can go in, he can see on the film room that he made a mistake. He can correct that mistake instead of having to correct like 15 mistakes at a time over the course of 65 NFL snaps. You know what I mean? 
I believe it was Darnell Mooney on that one, if if I'm thinking correctly, the the shovel pass to Allen Robinson. But I completely I completely agree when I watched it, um, especially with the all twenty two. Um, if he would have given it, it looked like it was blocked up really well as far as outside goes too. Um, so I yeah I, I do I do think if he could have that one back, he would probably hand it off. But I mean, you're gonna get into those situations where. The defense knows what you're doing. And Joseph knows what he wants to do. He wants to put the ball forward, and he ends up doing it. <laughs> Everybody's got a preference, right? If in a neutral setting, you got to do something. So it's not that I, I don't say that to ding the kid. It's more to talk about how he wasn't necessarily perfect, and I think that that can be okay for him because it gives him something to work on and a nice environment to focus on it. Overall, I guess when I look at this, Brandon, I was simultaneously really excited about this offense and also really disappointed. Let me try to articulate it here in my final thought. I feel like the offense looked better than it has in years. It was also hilarious seeing that the offense looking better than it has in years still failed on three fourth downs, still only scored about 14 points and ultimately just didn't look like it was ever going to be enough on a team that's kind of lost its luster defensively. This reminded me of what it is that the Bears have to do, or maybe not even the Bears. Matt Nagy has to do, has to prove to kind of make sure that we realize he's still the guy to lead this team going forward. I know that's controversial enough because most fans are already way, way out on him. I don't know. It It was interesting seeing that this game specifically highlighted things that got a lot better than last year while still showing that the bears are not ready to compete with a team like the Rams on just about any level defensively as the Rams not only dictated the game, but ultimately got what they wanted with what was that four stops on their side of the field. So they bent, they didn't break, they didn't give up points. And I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see the way that this season progresses. You and I have talked about this before. The wins and losses don't really matter to me. So it's not as much about winning games as it is about a showing offensive development. And the next step of that offensive development would be getting vertical because between Trubisky and Foles, we haven't been vertical in what feels like two years, maybe three, if you count 2018. So whether it's Dalton or Fields, I almost don't care. Focusing just on the naggy part. You didn't sign Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin and Allen Robinson. You didn't keep him around and draft Darnell Mooney to run hooks for an entire game. And even though this might've been the perfect defense to do that against, you got to think that against Cincinnati, it's not going to be the ideal plan. And you're going to want to try to exploit those quarters corners a little bit. Right. Right. 100%. I mean, the bar, the bar was set low and they performed a little bit poorly as far as expectations were going. Um, but here's the thing they had, they have stuff to build off of. They have things to correct. Now the bar is set a lot, whole lot higher because this is a bad Bengals defense and they should have higher expectations and they should perform better. And as far, as far as taking shots deeper, um, they have to, they have to create those opportunities for themselves because there's no way they can just drop back with a five-step drop regular out of shotgun and expect Andy Dalton to have time. It doesn't matter if it's this bad Bengals defensive line, they're going to get pressure because this is a really bad offensive line. So they need this. They need to run a lot more play action passes. Um, I would like to see some, some boot action to get the ball downfield to give Andy Dalton time. Um, because that's, I mean, that's their only chance to get the ball downfield. Because I mean, they just they, he won't he won't have time, regardless of who they're playing. Because I mean, they could be starting Elijah Wilkerson at left tackle. They're still starting Oof. Sam Mustafer at center. And I mean, Jermaine Fetty played better than expected, but he's he's still not a, an above average tackle. So <laughs> they need to create those opportunities with the play action with those boot plays. Um, because I, I sure expected a lot more of those, um, but it seemed like they fell in love with the quick game a little bit, which I mean, it was pretty, pretty standard for a West Coast offense. But they need to, 
they need to build plays off of the run game because they had success with, with the outside zone, with the wide zone. So that's what the Bengals are going to be preparing to stop. So they can run a lot of boot play action off of that to create plays downfield and create time for Andy Dalton. Yep. It'll be interesting to see how it all goes. I know I can't help but find myself thinking that if you wanted a play to develop a little longer and try to get something downfield, well, you got a guy to wear number one that can break out of the pocket at just about any point, extend that play. And we know he's got a cannon, but I can't help but think, Brandon, that we saw the true colors of the Chicago Bears organization earlier, I think it was yesterday, as that Jay Glazer report came out saying that the Bears, quote, would love to not start fields before week four. It's kind of what we've all been thinking, right? That they wanted to get through that Rams and Browns game. And my guess would be they're looking for a win or at least something competitive out of Dalton so that they can serve him up to Cleveland and then come home and get the new generation started. But who knows? Maybe I'm talking myself into something. Either way, this was not a good one. <laughs> Any final thoughts before we close up? Uh, final, final thoughts is I'm a lot more excited for this game Sunday. I think it'll be a lot more competitive. It's a, it's a very, very good matchup for the Bears and for the Bengals for where they're at as an organization. Um, they need a win. They need a win really bad because they started 0-2. It's, it's, it's not going to be good. I mean, the, it seemed like everybody reacted very poorly as far as this fan base and outside of this fan base to the outcome of this game. If they lose to the Bengals at home, it's going to be a very, very poor reaction. Um, I would predict that they're going to lose, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, this, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just – I know this Bengals offensive line isn't too good, but man, I mean, there were they're three deep at receiver, um, with Jamar Chase growing in confidence, having a, a good first game. Uh, Joe Mixon out of the backfield. This is this is just a it's a it's a tough game. This D line is really really gonna have to dominate, and there there have to be has to be no mistakes by the secondary, no no blown coverages. They have to they have to fix their mistakes this week and come ready to play. But I'm I'm in, I'm truly excited for this game. Same. I think this one will tell us a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And one thing I can't help but think of. So Brandon, I've been a Bears fan for about 15 years now. I think this might actually be year 16. I can't remember past a certain point. And one thing that I remember is that happenstantially, the first year I followed the team was the year that they went to the Super Bowl. So started high, been getting lower ever since. But what was funny for me was I was sitting there with my dad, must have been in eighth grade, brand new to football, asking him what the fans were yelling, like what word was that, as the fans chanted greasy, greasy, greasy in week two of the year after the Super Bowl where Brian got benched. All I can't help but think, Brandon, is that if Andy Dalton – like you said three to 17 at the end of the first half, Andy Dalton may get booed taking the field, let alone if he makes a mistake. I think the fans might make this depending on how the bears play an away game for their own team, depending on what happens on offense. So we'll see what happens. I, I have a lot of faith in Chicago fans to be passionate. And right now they're passionate about Justin Fields. So We'll see what happens. Like you said, the Bengals are coming off of a game where a team very, 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 very similar to the Bears just refused to win. And so the Bengals pulled out a last-second overtime victory that they didn't seem to want either. So it's not as if the Bears are fighting a titanic Bengals team. They're just fighting one that matches up with them pretty well, like you've said in the past. So should be competitive, should be a lot more fun than next week's game to say the least, but this, I don't know. I don't want to overreact. This might be one of the bigger games of Matt Nagy's career. Like, because if he can come out with this win, then I don't know. I don't want to suppose too much, but God forbid he lose. That's all I'm saying. God forbid Matt Nagy or Andy Dalton lose this game because I think the city will turn on him by halftime. Either way. Yeah. I think his hand, his uh, 
he'll he'll no longer have a choice whether he wants to play Justin Fields or not. But Justin Fields will be in the game, game three, if they lose this game. There's going to be no choice. There won't be any choice. Hey, at least Nagy, in his little upbeat way, Brandon, already seems to be prepping for it. Because have you seen that wry smile that came out of him in that presser? When asked about Fields' role, I mean, he couldn't keep it to himself. If he's playing poker, he's playing it really well because I don't think he's that good a poker player, and he gave away a more increased role. We'll see what that means. Either way, we'll just have to wait and see. So uh, thanks so much for hanging with us, Bears fans. If you're looking for my work, you can find me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. You can find me also uh, on Run Pass Opinion tomorrow, breaking down the game, 9 p.m. on Wednesday, where we'll go through the oh-so-hard-to-find-all-22 of this contest, the good and the bad. Brandon, where can folks find you? Find me at B-Rob NFL. I've already posted quite a few clips from this game. Um, look forward to this next week. Hey, you hit on a whole bunch more props too, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, if I'm being, if I'm being completely honest, this, this was my best week as a better, um, week, <laughs> week one is my, is week one's my favorite. I think there's the, the most edges, um, hoping to extend that into week two. You can, you can find, find that as well on my Twitter timeline too. Absolutely. Be on the lookout for Bears banter and Bears over beers coming up later this week. And then I will catch you after the game on Sunday with yet another episode of Bear With Me. Bears fans, let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. We will see you next time. Bear down. Thanks for hanging out with us.